You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Thank You for Your Servers, a show which looks at the tech news of today, but from a libertarian perspective. Now here are your hosts, Thaddeus and Gary. Thank you for logging on to Thank You for Your Servers. I'm Thaddeus Preston, a.k.a. Nick Way, and joining me once again, my boy, my man, Gary Guthrie. How you doing, brother? I'm doing fantastic. All right. Hey, this is our eh, mostly almost kind of weekly rants about the tech topics of the week from a Liberty perspective. This and other podcasts are brought to you by the Make Liberty Great Again network of podcasts. Give us a listen and give our other our other uh, compatriots a listen on the Make Liberty Great Again network. So with no further ado, Gary, man, kick it off, man, because I've been waiting for the story this this has been this story's been killing me i i I, when i first saw it i think i first saw it on fox news which immediately kind of made me take a second glance at it but the fact that this company fireeye security is putting on a security conference in october of this year october uh what is it seventh through tenth or something like that anyhow Uh, supposedly big security conference everything and the big news that came out of it was the headliner the keynote speaker the top number one security expert coming in to deliver their notes on the security landscape of today hillary rodham clinton what do you think about that thaddeus (laughs) cluck a duck that is (laughs) That is, the irony is astonishing. So let me get this straight. The poster child for, I mean, because this, I guess, is this is a cyber defense summit, right? This is a cybersecurity conference where these CEOs, CEOs and CIOs of these major companies that are in this space are going to sit down and have a Q&A and watch Hillary Rodham Clinton wax eloquent about cybersecurity issues why what as a as a cautionary tale of what not to do i mean what the, uh, the i can't even understand what content she could give that would contribute to anything to do with cybersecurity to be honest well to quote her <laughs> last failed book it's probably more of a a Q&A of what happened when it came to the email servers and the hacking and the other things like she is the chief example of the type of employee you do not want if you were a cyber if you were a CIO or a CTO of any company like she's the employee you don't want it's like what wait 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 so you had a server at home and you were like conducting business on a non VPN non secured non firewalled server in your basement Unbelievable. I mean, as a as a as a director of IT myself, uh, you know, if you don't have policy, if you don't have process, if you don't have procedure, and if you can't put teeth behind it, you're not doing your job. You know, and and 
when I heard originally, you know, the whole email fiasco of her doing her own thing outside of government knowledge and all this stuff, which, I mean, there's clearly some really shady things that went on with that whole thing. You know, three hard drives that failed and they couldn't search and they all failed at the exact same time on three different machines. Yeah, right. But that all aside, how, I don't know, Uh, this whole thing just boggles my mind. And the only thing that makes sense to me is that this FireEye company is trying to get in a little deeper on the political side so that they can get some favors returned to them in the form of either government contracts or more leverage to create more regulations and more compliance requirements that they can, as a service company, provide services so that companies can stay compliant with. These are the only things that make sense to me with this whole decision. But in 2019, how much juice does Hillary Rodham Clinton, even being a former U.S. Secretary of State, how much juice does she actually have? Now, I know there's an incestuous relationship in the Beltway, um, this company, <clears throat> this company FireEye, actually bought a in 2013 bought a subsidiary uh, that did cybersecurity based out of Alexandria, Virginia. Um, uh, Manaped, I think, is what it's called, or, or Manaded. I can't M A N D I A N T. I guess because you know my my public school education doesn't allow me to pronounce that correctly. <laughs> um, so I mean, they already kind of have a foothold in the region yeah i just to me it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of juice involved but there might be because of this incestuous relationship between washington dc because for everyone who hates the everything the trump administration stands for the deep state is a pretty semi-permanent fixture so maybe she does maybe maybe this is just an opportunity to do maybe some throw her some bones right i mean this is really kind of a third tier cybersecurity conference in my opinion personally given off by one company so it's not that she's getting like the high power talk she used to get you know pre-2016 where she's talking to like you know goldman sachs in back rooms for you know ten thousand dollars a plate or whatever the hell she was getting paid but um that aside i mean she is she is definitely a poster child for cybersecurity, but not in a positive sense if that q a session has no if there's no humility in that Q&A session where she can kind of explain like, yeah, but then I guess she really can't get up there in a Q&A and, and, and explain how she screwed up because then that would be an admission of guilt. And she did like get off. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh clearly. Role. Clearly. Yeah, she was she she got the golden ticket out of that. But I mean, yeah, you're right. From a practical standpoint, from a relevant standpoint, what weight does she have? I mean, nothing. You know, she reminds me a lot of our AP manager who every other day is sending me an email saying, is this legit? Should I click on the link? And it's some, it's clearly not, you know, it's clearly, (laughs) you know, which ones I'm talking about, you know, here's your invoice. Open this word document to see your invoice, you know? Like, yeah, I, you know, and it's funny because, you know, they're in, in a broader cybersecurity industry stamp, stamp like it's this, these attacks happen constantly to people. I mean, you know, I assume this person who sends you these emails and asking you if they're legit is fairly higher up in the hierarchy of the company. She is. 
And and so to me, it, it, you 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 deal with it all the time, right? I mean, it go. It, 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 yeah, I, I, I don't understand. Like, I, I just sat through, ironically enough, a, a, a cybersecurity talk given by a guy from University of Texas, Austin, where he, he was basically explaining the anatomy of the attack, uh, the, the anatomy of the attack that happened with Equifax and, mm-hmm. and like how long it, it, it how, you know, how long it took them to patch it, to discover it, like the time it took to patch it and the time it took to tell everybody, oh, yeah, by the way, this happened. Right? right, and there's and and there was there was some consequences to be associated with it, right? I mean, everyone, all of this, all, everyone in the C-suite got you know fired slash golden parachutes, but the the crux of this talk and what we, to just to kind of circle back to you know um, Secretary Clinton here is the way cybersecurity is probably needing to work in the future is not to mention yes having the policies that are written down, having the policies that with teeth. But at the end of the day, when you have humans in the loop, man, you got to design and architect systems so that when humans do screw it up, um, it can be detected and it can be isolated and siloed. Like one of the things Correct. we discussed in this cybersecurity talk that I went to was completely re-architecting the way like cybersecurity, the way uh, authentication works between the web, the web front end, a authentication layer, and then basically spinning up authenticated uh, uh, what. In this instance, microservice containers, Docker, if, 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 if for any of our audience are familiar with Docker, and spinning up these very specific instances with these very specific authentications to touch sections of the database that are encrypted for the very session, um, you know, right. depending on, on whatever. And like it, it does require a lot of front end rearchitecting, code refactoring, a lot of code, yep. you know, a lot of really. Um, breaking right. architecturally the code down to different areas so that they're siloed enough so that there's interaction points between the front, the web front end, the authentication back end, and then the authentication back end that spins up the instances, the microservice instances that then can talk to the database. So it takes one or two or three hops to even get to it. And even if a hacker gets through all that, they only get to the sliver of the database for which it is, which the, the let's assume it's, Secretary Clinton, who who has compromised all of her two-factor authentication in anything, they right. only have access to that one section, and you know, so and and to me, like you know, between machine learning, you know, statistical methods, and just the way we rearchitect these very dispersed web applications for cybersecurity is going to be the future and stuff like that. I mean, that I mean, I I, I you know, I use that to kind of dovetail into like, you know. There's a lot of ways to get it. I mean, there's side channel methods of getting at your data to the point where you have actually people, if they have access to any of the power diagnostics of your system, they could literally figure out yeah. what you're doing. The data, what type of data. Absolutely. Oh, they so, can. oh yeah. crap, you're processing a lot of data. And like and from a statistical standpoint, oh, you're processing a lot of data based on your your, your, your power signature, um, even for particularly mobile applications, you can literally figure out what people are typing based on the power consumption, based on how much power it takes and how much time it takes to render a certain uh, to render a certain alphabet. You can literally fill in gaps yep. from a side channel attack. And if you with these machine learning algorithms and these statistical methods, to think that we are only that the good guys are only going to have the machine learning and the artificial intelligence and the and the, the you know the advanced neural networks and the and the what they call the adversarial neural networks to to combat these attacks 
that stuff is open source. Someone can nefariously take that, use that, and then use that to figure out what website you're going to based on your power consumption, right? Based on what your batteries are doing. And, 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 and like, it's hard, but like, if you do it enough times for long enough, they can figure out you went to CNN, you typed in this, oh, oh you're taking a picture. Um, oh, okay, you, uh, uh, you're doing this, you're doing that. I mean, these are, these are the tools of spycraft that have probably been around for a long time, but like, these things are out there. And like, well, it'll be interesting to see what Ms. Hillary Clinton has to say about all that. Oh, in October, I am dying. <laughs> I am waiting on bated breath here to figure out what our overlord says. I can only sit here and guess. I mean, my money honestly is on. I, I got to put together a drinking game because we got to find this thing on YouTube or something once she does it. And you know, every time she blames her loss of the presidency on something, we have to take a drink or something. But anyway, yeah, yeah. moving on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we could go on that forever. So oh, SpaceX yeah. finally, finally got the first half of its con- or its first portion of its sixty. Uh, how many was it? Up. Six sixty of them, right? Yeah, there were 60 of them in this particular uh, instance. Um, and so they're up in the air. Um, sort of a triumph. This is going to be part of maybe the 12,000 that eventually end up in mm-hmm. the um, in, up there. But with progress always comes people who are going to say, however. So I guess a Harvard-Smithsonian kind of uh, astrologist or some, some sort of guy. This guy, his name is uh, Jonathan McDowell. Um, observed that the internet satellites are bright enough to cause a problem for astronomy and to eventually, and the eventual constellation of 12,000 satellites, I mean, that's a lot, uh, could complicate yeah. humanity's view of the night sky. It would uh, triple the number of satellites in orbit, forcing telescope operators to account for the objects. Um, I get their concern, but when, when, all right, all right. The great promise for ubiquity, for the ubiquity, for ubiquitous global space-based like internet connectivity, uh, it, it's a, it's a, it's kind of a big deal. It's going to help. I mean, but at what cost to the view of the night sky? I mean, what do we? I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of torn on it a little bit, just because I, I, I kind of get it. You know, when, uh, honestly, one of my guilty pleasures is the science shows where they talk about the black holes and all this stuff, and I. I so I'll sit there and I'll watch that for two hours until it drives my wife nuts and she has to go to bed. But at the same time, you're right. I mean, we have to we have to make progress in more than one way, right? I mean, we and there's going to be some cost, give and take. But at what yeah. cost, right? And I think that that it's it's kind of one of the it's kind of one of my uh, one of my things. When it comes to like uh, GMOs, right? Like we can all as kind of good natured hippies be like, that's uh, GMOs, man. They're terrible, man. Yeah. But if it wasn't for the GMOs, right? Or at least the, the, the methods for which GMOs are based, there'd be a billion dead people in India from starvation. So, so, so what do we, so, so what do we want? Right? I mean, from a liberty angle perspective, I believe the cost of progress is worth this, uh, worth marching forward with deploying these tools because they're going to democratize information access. Like twelve thousand satellites in orbit, 
And it will definitely drive down the cost of, uh, of you know, instead of using very expensive uh, uh, iridium or, 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 or what is it? what's the one that, uh, oh, HughesNet and stuff like that. This will definitely drive down the cost of satellite, of satellite uh, internet, which, inef- which, which inevitably will give people in far-flung parts of the world, in the jungles, and, you know, I'm even thinking about taking a trip to the Canyonlands here, which for which you're going to have little to no uh, phone connectivity in these areas. You will have GPS, but only to you know make an to make an emergency plea if you're dead or dying. Right. Uh, um, but yeah, I think that's important. I think that's it's 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 a necessary. I, I don't want to call it evil, but it's a necessary uh, downside to it. And like they were saying, like all they're going to have to do is just keep up with more objects. And to think that we're going to be the only, like SpaceX is going to be the only company in the world that will put up 12,000 of these. Come on, man. The Chinese are going to put up probably 10 times these. The Europeans are going to put up these as well. And so yeah, to me, this is true. So you're going to have to deal, you're already having to track space junk anyway. It's just, it just becomes a harder problem. Well, and, and also, and, and also when you think about, you know, the, the progress we've made in, space exploration and the technology that we've used. I mean, even going back to the eighties with the Hubble space telescope, right? We'll be able to put stuff up that's past these things. I mean, is it going to impact a backyard astronomer? I don't think so. I I mean, if I go out and buy a $200 telescope and point it up at Jupiter, I could probably still see Jupiter just fine. And plus the big concerns that they raised as one of the articles I was reading was at a time when these satellites are still nowhere near their final orbit. They're still very low. They're still very bright, but as they get up, they're going to dim and they're going to become less of an issue. Now is 12,000 of them going to make a difference? I don't know. I think we under, I can tell you from experience, we greatly underestimate the sheer size of space in the orbit and and, and, and right. earth orbit um it it's it's a we we've been sending satellites and crap up there for nearly 50 years and it's with the exception of maybe once or twice there have been very few collisions and um so yeah i don't i don't i don't think depending on how they 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 you know these orbits are i don't think it's going to have that much of an effect um, you know, I mean, unlike, you know, I, I don't want to use, the, I don't want to get into the scare tactics like the people are using with 5G where 95% of their uh, hysteria about it is, is silly and 5% is something to be investigated. Because um, I know I'd read a story the other day where like it's going to mess with radar. So it'll make it harder to kind of, so radar is going to have mm. to use other types of kind of blanking algorithms and stuff so that. Um, because I guess the 5G may interfere at certain frequencies and stuff, but that that remains to be seen. I mean, that's always been the issue with. So you're saying there's an, so you're saying there's an opportunity for more innovation. Um, yes, that is the much that is the much positive spin to put on it. <laughs> there is another, there are more opportunities for innovation, and I hope there we go. We get the full constellation up because I look forward to having. In- even more connectivity and ubiquity when I go to places like Canyonlands or I go to places like Lagos, Nigeria, or not even Lagos, Nigeria, Ohafia, Nigeria, and the river states and the hinterlands of 
the continent of Africa. This is a good thing. We will we will engineer and find a way around this. And you know what? And and like you said, you know, how how much of this is panic and how much of this is real? Well, I think the panic a lot of times especially in this if we look at just this instance you know we just sent these 60 satellites up one of the things that i think is kind of underplayed in one of the articles that i had read this they have built these into these things the ability to control them and say destroy and they'll just send it into the atmosphere and it'll be gone so there are contingencies in place in the event that there's some catastrophic human calamity that happens because we can't see this star over here. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, right. I think I, I, there, there are ways to track and, and algorithmically uh, look around or look through or find, you know, you're just, you're just going to have to, we're going to have to share the night sky at some point, ladies and gentlemen. All right. And now on to the uh, kind of the meat of the program, and that is the increasing calls for the breakup of big tech. Quoting a story I got from The Verge, politicians on both sides have been ramping up their rhetoric. Elizabeth Warren has made breaking up tech companies the rallying cry for a presidential campaign, and the Repub- and their Republican lawmakers on the other side had laid in the Silicon Valley elite for their perceived anti-conservative bias. So now we're going after big tech. Now it's time to break up big tech. And I, my liberty spiny senses are tingling, Gary. I don't like this. I don't like this at all. Yeah, both of them just reek of control and um, let tech be. Right. I mean, I know right now that on the radical right and radical left or libertarian left or libertarian right or whatever you want to side yourself with um you if there's this there i know the 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 reaction is to strike out against these companies because these companies are politically progressive and they're politically and they're using their power and their monopoly to do a bait and switch for a lot of creators and they're and, and 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 they're doing a whole lot but here's the deal the cost to break a break up big tech and the subsequent antitrust investigations that are going to kick off on pack on Capitol Hill or in DC are the powers that be falling out of love with big tech. I have read too many stories over the last couple of weeks about how I mean, cause I just all right. Let me go back a little bit. I remember when Washington DC, the press, the tech press was enamored with big tech. For the love of God, they made a movie about being an intern at Google. That had uh, Owen. Uh, had what is it? Was it was it Owen Wilson and like uh, uh, what's the what's the other guy who was in it? You know they they made Wedding Crashers, right? And so they made. Oh, you're talking. Uh, what's this? The tall guy, right? Yes, that guy. Oh. Well, you know. Anyway, okay. so but basically, long story short, I mean, there was this, this love affair with big tech and stuff like that. And so as time went on, though, and it became quite apparent that these companies were growing in power because at the end of the day, what because this antitrust things are all about trying to break up monopolies and perceived um, big companies that are perceived to be harming the consumer as a whole. They got that way by giving to people a product that they want. 
But now they're falling out of love with big tech. But I think, so I think, like, I remember watching uh, a episode of, of um, what is it, Tom, what Tom, Tom Merritt's show that talks about tech. And he brought up an excellent point. This is no different because this is a new technology that has reach that undermines the political power of the elite and particularly the political power of, of, of the, of the you know, imperial headquarters that is Washington, D.C. And they did the same thing with radio. They did the same thing with television. And, and this attempt is really just to regulate them and to because they ultimately want control of how the messaging is. They want control of this medium because it's a medium that they can use to push their political power. So every time the powers that be feel threatened from a new technology or platform that is beginning to displace their power and influence, they seem to call for the subsequent breakup via a uh, convoluted and Benzentine, like basically process of it. Well, and, and how convenient that they already have a base who will subscribe to the idea that this is a threat to the individual, which it really isn't. And, and here's the deal. This would normally be one of those things where the, the 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 left or the right would be defenders of a private company's ability. Like, hey, don't get mad because Amazon's big. Don't get mad because Facebook's big. This is ultimate, the ultimate, beautiful entrepreneur. This is this is what this is America. This is like yeah, America. Until the people in power, until the people in power feel that this thing that is America, this monster that they have allowed to be created, I mean, the hubris and thinking that's in, that's true. Um, subsequently, they don't really have control over it. They're banning people who they like from the platform. They're, they're, the truth be told, I said this back in like 2011 and 12 that like, yo, you need to be very, very careful you know, because there's this, there's these calls for censoring and tech and for people, for the government to be involved in, you know, certain things and dealing with the platforms and stuff. You better be damn careful what you guys are asking for now, because there will come a time when, like, the political winds will turn against it. But Silicon Valley was arrogant and had, had, had absolutely uh, no humility. And they had the hubris to believe that they will always be, like, liked and loved in D.C. They even did the opposite of what Microsoft did, and they started putting people in power in D.C., for lobbying purposes. But what they're finding is this is a much dirtier game when dealing with political power. So Senator Warren's plan is completely asinine. I've read bits and pieces of it. It doesn't make any sense. Um, if you haven't read the news lately, Google or what, I mean, we call Alphabet or whatever, um, has had a terrible quarter. They're not the, the behemoth they are. And it's funny because I was reading an article the other day from The Verge, which I typically, typically they do very well. I mean, they're part of the, the dreaded and hated Vox, but they do a pretty good job. They, there were so many, there was so much um, lack of history and understanding about how Facebook acquired Inst, Inst, uh, Instagram and, 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 and uh, WhatsApp. So and so they want them to so the, the plan is to break up Facebook. That's one example of what Senator Warren is talking about is breaking up Facebook into the three constituent parts. Um, they want to break up Facebook from Instagram and from WhatsApp, saying that they should have, you know, and what's part of the language in this article was like, and Facebook was allowed to buy Instagram allowed. Let me give you some. Here's the deal. Instagram was literally 10 freaking people. When when Facebook bought them, right? Um, they weren't. Hence, 
The government has no say-so because they were both at the time private companies. They're not publicly traded, right? The only time the government should be allowed and probably is allowed to actually say yay or nay to a merger or acquisition is if the companies are both public. Right. And, and so like so like so that just shows the ignorance of this author who doesn't even know it's like and WhatsApp was was 50 people. Right. It was in in a private company. And and again, I think WhatsApp was bought shortly before Facebook went public. So the so the DOJ or who or the FTC or whoever there, these anointed. God, these leftist journalists are ignorant and goddamn government schools would have would have had no input in the acquisition of these companies. So that's that's just the first thing. Second thing is. How are you going to break up these companies when, from a technological standpoint, they're integrated? I mean, their infrastructure is integrated. Their, right. their it's, authentication it's one, it's is one integrated. Animal. It's one animal. You can't carve out the liver from the cow yeah. and expect it to live. <laughs> it, it's not going to work. I, 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 and it's just it's kind of what we discussed in the last episode. Like, There's just this hatred of big. Exactly. And that's where I'm going with it. You know, when I hear about this stuff, you know, this, you know, oh, Elizabeth Warren, you know, She's got her presidential run coming up and, oh, I'm so looking forward to the debates with her, not, but, uh, you know, you have to, if you're shooting for something as ambitious as the presidency of the United States, you are going to latch on to the largest, most media generating newsworthy things that are out there and what better thing to do than to tackle Facebook and say, Oh my God, we have a problem and I'm going to solve it. Right. Yes. We, and they cry out for a King and, and God told them, you sure you want a King? Right. And, 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 and now, yeah. And I say this all the time, you know, I, I look at the behavior of people and, they want a dictator. They want a single person. Nobody cares about process. They don't care about Congress. They don't care. All they care about is the president of the United States. Okay. Yeah. No, we've, no, it, it, it's, and yeah, they don't understand it. Like, you know, I mean, you're ruining, when you ask the government to intervene, you're going to ruin the thing that made these companies dynamic and useful and what what made them what made them pure what made them good the political process i find and particularly they're having to get in bed with um the government now really because this is the shakedown like these these calls to break up and and of course there's tons and tons of investigations into there's going to be tons and tons of investigations coming from the ftc the justice department um that are going to basically basically strangle the rest of the innocence from these companies. Like these companies, they're probably, they, they deserve it because they've acted kind of foolishly in the past couple of years, but it's kind of the end of an era. And I think this is the beginning of what I would like to, is what I always say is this is how, this is the anatomy of regulatory capture. This is going to happen and you're not going to like it. Mm. And I, 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 you know, it's, it's, and it's very, it's very unfortunate. Um, these these antitrust cases are going to pick these pick these companies apart, um, and and the, you know, and the and the tech press is calling for it and calling for it and calling for it. It's these are the same tech press. This is the same tech press that if they were if they were around during the Microsoft era, 
who would have most of them sort of were and they were calling for a regulation of Microsoft, regulation of Microsoft. You got to stop Microsoft. Microsoft's a monopoly. And then they went through this brutal five, six year antitrust fight. And then the very same tech press within, within the same decade after the really Microsoft ultimately won. But it was a Pyrrhic victory because the company was a former shell of itself for at least a decade. And then you had these same tech press centers like, but there's no innovation or anything coming out of Microsoft. Yeah, because they were browbeaten by antitrust. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> right. It's, and so the, 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 these things, these, these these wonderful things that Alphabet is going is giving us, despite the fact that they might be filled with a bunch of progressive crybabies, and I, I, God, we can discuss ad, ad nauseum about the, the really we don't need regulation or anything like that to try to foster uh, free speech we just the culture is is sick and corroded and these people they have the, they have their worldview and they live in their bubble and they don't understand and you know god help them you just want to hug them and be like hey it'll be okay but you don't want to kill the, at least that innovative innovative spirit that give that that has given us things like cloud service microsoft and and google's and 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 amazon's cloud services and for all the hatred of facebook i mean it's brought us together right it's brought yeah absolutely it still brings people together it's you know and then and because you have human beings who don't understand human beings and like and how tools work um and how sometimes human beings abuse these tools and stuff like that and they think that they can algorithmically get rid of bad behavior and you're not you just have to embrace the fact that you've just created a platform for human beings and human beings inherently are flawed and they're going to do terrible things. You know what? You bring up you bring up a real good kind of thing that touches on my point of view with the whole situation is I think and I believe honestly in the in my heart of hearts that we have neglected to address anything from a cultural standpoint from a value standpoint from a norm standpoint before we go to the government it's like the government's the the uh it's the goat it, it you, you know what i equate it to it's like an hoa right yeah and yeah we love those oh god no we don't but uh, <laughs> uh you, you know in a couple of the groups that i'm in online I see it all the time. You know, someone complains about their neighbor on this group. What do I do about this? And the immediate response is, have you called your HOA? Have you called the sheriff? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, have you knocked on their door? Have you talked to them? You know, can we, can we have a conversation on what we agree on and what we disagree on before we go to the government and say, okay, give us the rules, almighty oh, rulers of ours so that everything can be fair. How about we handle some of this stuff at a cultural level? Are we in, are we unable to do it anymore? I don't know. I, 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 I don't think I don't, I, it doesn't really sound like we can. I mean, I mean, as we're recording this, right. I mean, this is the week coming off of, this is the week we're coming off of where um, a, a Vox reporter threw a hissy fit and complained to uh, mama, daddy, YouTube about, uh, uh, comedian Steven Crowder, you know, debunking him sort of viciously um, on, on his channel and trying to get him uh, like thrown off of YouTube. He ultimately succeeded in getting uh, Crowder demonetized. But, um, you know, you, you know, there, there's 
you could have engaged Mr. Crowder in, at his ideas, right? Because no offense, you know, I'm, I'm much more sympathetic to the Crowder point of view when it comes to debunking a lot of these really silly Vox videos. Definitely. That are like for, forgiving Antifa and saying like, well, socialism really isn't that bad. I'm like, what, <laughs> what are you kidding me? I mean, it, I mean, you know, I mean, it's it's it's, it's feel good as that is. I I understand that, like, you know, socialism is kind of this, you know, all the hearts in the fields. But like, you know, there's still a body count to accommodate with that. But, you know, but they didn't they didn't handle it like men. I mean, they could have, you know, they they both kind of went to the Twitter and in in their respective corners and, 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 and feigned victimhood. But, you know, it's this type of kind of uneven action which has basically turned the right against these platforms and now you have a two-pronged attack coming from the right and the left right the left always hates and wants to destroy and bring and bring down these 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 uh these platforms when they become too big for their britches and stuff like that particularly if they lose control of the ability to drive the narrative when they were driving the narrative on facebook and twitter and google and whatever then they didn't care but when they when they ceased to drive the narrative because there were other maybe competing points of view some of them reprehensible other of them are you know i'm sympathetic to then they want to be like well we got to get these people off of here and so let me break down what all the antitrust cases that are coming up for the big four right so the big four basically are facebook google amazon and apple they're all going to be facing generally different types of antitrust um investigations so the first one i I find uh, that always infuriates me is the fact that the federal trade commission is, is going to start investigating whether like Cambridge Analytica data privacy stuff, like whether or not there was a data breach in 2008. And so part of the, uh, there was a data breach, I guess, in 2011. And so like they did a consent decree with the uh, FTC. Um, But they're going to reinvestigate uh, the Cambridge Analytica thing on this side of the Atlantic because they got dragged, because Facebook got dragged over the coals over on the other side of Atlantic in England because the people, the powers that be hated the Brexit vote. And Cambridge Analytica was pretty instrumental in the data in the data uh, front of really getting out the vote for Brexit in, in England. And so people were pissed about that and hating, hating on Facebook. So because of that scandal, which happened after this 2011 consent decree that it signed with the Federal Trade Commission, the Federal Trade Commission then wants to investigate, hey, did you violate the consent decree because of this data breach? And that's that multi-billion dollar, five, six billion dollar like settlement that they're going to probably have to pay out. And so that's Facebook's cross the bear, not to mention the fact that you have presidential candidates and senators asking for asking and maybe wanting to have discussions about breaking up the company. Google, the Department of Justice is probably preparing an antitrust case against Google to focus on the search giants, other businesses. Um, particularly, this is the same crap that the EU brought up with Google about 10 years ago, or whether or not like it's, you know, recommending its stuff or its searches or preferred search or preferred search partners who've paid more at the top of advertisements or whatever and then of course there's the obligatory privacy concerns uh amazon is dealing with it because um what is it according to the journal fcc has granted jurisdiction over the certain certain competition issues according to the journal pertaining to its acquisition of whole foods um there's no investigation underway, but it's likely to start coming soon. Basically, they're going to start investigating that. And for Apple, we discussed this last episode, uh, I think, about, you know, one, the App Store dominance. And, right. um, and, and of course, now there's going to be pressure for them to 
they're going to require uh, developers to use like the sign with Apple tool. Um, that could be to the detriment of Google sign in, Facebook sign in, Snap sign in and stuff like that. So they're going to look at that. And so you have these these all these vectors of attack. And it's it's going to make it hard because what will come out of all these attack are new rules, not necessarily in regulations that will make it harder for there to be another Apple, Amazon, Google or Facebook, period. That because ultimately they're going to want to stop the bleeding. They're going to want to stop these guys from like coming after them. They're like, you know, as I kind of said in previous episodes, Facebook is not completely the villain in asking for regulation because they just want to know the rules of the road. And this is why um, markets, free markets don't work well. And we digress into cronyism. It's just this is just the anatomy of it. You're seeing it piece by piece. And the useful I hate to say it, useful idiots in the press and the tech press are going to lead this charge. Um, like we were saying before, it's rap music. It's uh, rock music. It's the it's the Satan the Satan worshiping backwards masking. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, it, it's almost like bootleggers and Baptists, but just move move it to the present day where you have two pillars, two institutions who are now who who, who appear to be adversarial are now in cahoots to bring big tech under its control because it wants to control the narrative, control the message. There's going to be a lot of this crap in the 2020 election. You mark my words about how. Let me ask. News. Oh yeah. I, oh, absolutely. But I want to kind of. I want to kind of ask a sideways question on that. Do you believe? Because the way it seems to me is it kind of. Again, it goes back to opening up the innovation a little bit. Does this open up avenues for? people to innovate a little bit and go kind of underground with a lot of the the social media or whatever well well it's funny you asked that well our mutual friend uh, ryan is working on such a platform um you also but here's here's where i i have some long-term optimism but short-term skepticism so this is the case of things like uh gab Gab it was a Twitter. It is a Twitter competitor. Gab built their platform on um, Microsoft Azure, and very and they used uh, domain registrars that they could use because of the nature of some of the traffic that was on Gab. They not only lost Azure as their platform uh, as their cloud provider when it comes to scaling pl- their platform, i.e., their their service. Uh, they have had to play whack-a-mole or at least piggy, or they've had to play uh, uh, tadpoles, you know, jumping from pad to pad um, for their re- for their uh, DNS in their uh, um, uh, registrar. Or, so, so, so who's driving that this, though? I mean, that, that's not uh, centralized. That is, that, that's, that, that's, that's just, it's, it's the, it's the guilt. It's the guilt by adjacent association. Wow. And by virtue of that, as opposed to, so it's not easy to be on these cloud platforms if there's something objectionable happening on the platform, the platform, your platform that you've deployed on these services. So that does not mean that you did anything necessarily illegal or that you're 
you know, recruiting, you know, white supremacist terrorist organizations, terrorists to go, you know, commit mass murder and genocide against, you know, LGBTQ people. It could just be something as simple as, as the new YouTube standards say, I might have some people very outspoken on abortion on my platform. I might have people very outspoken about, I don't know, immigration on my platform. And if enough of the mob, I don't know who this nebulous mob is, gets to Google or Amazon or Microsoft, who are right now your one, two, and three cloud providers, they could say, hey, man, you got to get off our cloud platform. You got, you got 48 hours of movie data and do whatever. This happened to Gab. Wow. Um, Cl- Cloudflare did the same thing with much more disreputable sites. The Daily Stormer, VDare, American Renaissance. These are kind of white supremacist sites, but they lost their registrar. They couldn't, they, they, they couldn't publish their website. They couldn't do it. So, so here's, here's, here's the net effect that I see from this kind of, I, I guess, top-down prohibition or whatever it's gonna drive these things further underground it's gonna drive the animal farther into the corner and ultimately just strengthen it don't i mean don't you agree i mean we've we've seen it yeah no no we've seen it all the time it's it's kind of it's funny the first or second generation of white supremacists were driven underground in the you know late 90s early 2000s never to be heard from again right wrong no to think yeah. that you're in it to think that your enemy won't adapt to your tactics which is what the alt-right is the alt-right is nothing more than just a, a beautiful veneer with with very uh no offense you know no offense to you know all my woke audience of the, which there are a grand total of two of you uh. um but they're very they're, they're they're very they're they're very compelling arguments if you don't if you don't think about them deeply Right, and so to think that my fear is that they will, these people will be pushed back underground, and they'll reemerge again, but much more covert. Right, and that's and that's kind of that kind of goes to my question of innovation: is what kind of things are these people going to dream up? Because you're not going to kill them this way. Yeah, I think you know I've been a big I've been a big believer in bit shoot. Um, and they seem pretty, but though I, I have noticed that BitChute has not been very responsive lately. And I think it's because a lot of people who were kind of purged off of YouTube this week, uh, moved over to BitChute. And I don't think the guys can handle it. Um, I, I mean, you have, you know, I mean, we have platforms like, you know, um, you know, it, w- w- would, would Glenn Beck's the blaze create something along the lines of a YouTube? No, it's hard to do. Right. You, I mean, the scale necessary to be a YouTube is kind of like the scale it was to be Facebook versus. But I, Friendly. but I don't think that's the. I don't think that's the goal. I think the goal is just to, uh, kind of hone your focus on your audience on a particular on a particular audience and group. And 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 whatever mechanism that drives you to, is going to be the one that you focus on. So I mean. You look at, you know, okay, I mean, we can go back to the early 20th centuries, look at the KKK, right? What did it do? It drove them into secret meetings. It drove them into, you know, whatever ceremonies or whatnot they had, like what they had in, uh, oh, brother, where art thou or something. And and a lot of them ended up in government. 
indeed they did <laughs> indeed and 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 that and that's where i'm kind of going you know okay yeah we can ban steven crowder we can ban whatever it doesn't it's just going to strengthen their resolve it's going to strengthen their audience's resolve and it's going to drive an innovation that that really kind of hyper focuses that group and, and and some i hope so well i hope so but at the same time i hope not because there are da- there are dangerous groups out there that will exploit that and and harm people with it you know which is why it is it is it is folly for these these for particularly these platforms to try to create absolute fake safe spaces fake safe spaces absolutely use using using algorithms using whatever I mean, because who is to dictate hate speech who dictate that that's ultimately what frightens me who dictates yep who belongs and who doesn't belong yeah my my site may contain offensive content well who defines what that is absolutely it, and that's and it's and here's and, and, and if you study history, that's been subjective over time. It always is and always will be. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't objectify something like that. But but what but what's happening right now is that is being used as the auspices for regulation. Absolutely. And and it's and and it's it, it it begins to set this dangerous precedent. So just to kind of round this out, there's a list of articles that, that the uh, Verge has kind of brought together. That is what I like to call uh, a running tally of statism on the march globally. Um, uh, this, you know, particularly starting with the story about um, you know, uh, the face that, that Facebook uh, taking down the one propaganda video of Nancy Pelosi that was slowed down um, and kind of somewhat cut up to alter, to make her sound as if she was drunk or slurring her words and stuff like that. And, well, the, on a side note, the fact that they kind of outed, a bro- they outed this brother that might have uploaded a video and, like, tried to ruin his life, essentially, is egregious. What's even more egregious is Facebook acting as the as as the snitch platform it is, openly giving this information to just a random journalist who asked? Yeah. So if a random journalist can go to Facebook and just ask, "Hey, who is this person? What's this person do? What is going? What do you think they're doing when when the government comes, you know, pounding on the door for that information?" So that should give you pause. Um, not to mention the fact that all these, these social media, uh, so not, not necessarily all these social media companies, all these journalists, and I use air quotes here with no one seeing, um, jumped on the immediate bandwagon of like, these are deep fakes. This is what is going to happen. This is, this just shows that Facebook needs to do more about this and this. And what, what more can Facebook do? What more can Facebook do? Who, who, who is to decide who gets banished, Right. I mean, and these people write these things, and they don't—they don't think that this could possibly come back to bite them. Well, it's the immediate—it's the immediate appeal to authority, and that's the cultural thing that I'm—I'm I'm getting at earlier. Is yeah, you know, there's this yeah, you win. It's this—it's this kind of knee-jerk. Oh my God, somebody above me needs to take care of this and handle this because 
they're the authority in it. No, you know what? Handle it yourself, you know? Analyze it. Put some thought into this instead of just doing this knee-jerk thing. Now, and it goes back to kind of what we we have discussed before is a lot of these knee-jerk reactions are functional in the sense that it riles up a certain audience and it riles up a certain customer base. So... Who is that customer base, you think? Well, it, well, it depends on who's doing the riling, right? I mean, yeah, it well. doesn't... It, what better way to get more business than to excite people who y'all who already like you? I mean, this is this is this is a common thing, right? Yeah, no, I I, I think they're being particularly a lot of the social networks are being hyper vigilant about disinformation campaigns, and at the same time, I think they've the Overton window of what is considered information disinformation campaigns. It's so wildly skewed in one, really just one ideological direction. Um, you, you know, like, um, you just just to kind of go through a list of all these kind of statism things, like Facebook facing, you know, the most probes by Irish regulators when it comes to, like, the general data protection regulations, which I think are stupid, right? I mean, you know, the cost and unattended consequences of dealing with the GDP, the GDP, GDPR, which is basically the general data protection which regulation. Which is the nightmare of my existence. <laughs> um, it's the nightmare. I've And I've also noticed every effing site I go to, I have to say, yes, yes, I know you have cookies. Yes, that's annoying me. Yeah. And, and, and so, like, so here's the, so they've already had to deal with 55... Uh, there's already been 55, uh, what is it, million dollars, a million pounds, uh, I'm sorry, a million euros in fines, uh, 50 of which was a single fine to Google. Then you have to deal with 281,000 cases, 144,000 complaints, uh, 889,271 data breach notifications. Uh, there's all uh, it's it's got i mean this must be administratively impossible for companies it, to deal it with. is and i'll tell you something you know from this you just just from the little sliver that i'm involved with with uh just basic data security pci compliance or ei3pa compliance or whatever it is it basically demands a hundred percent of your time all of the time and you're at the mercy of a third party to basically say, this is what you will do now. Do it. And, you know, fortunately for me, I mean, it's not a government entity telling me this. It's it's industry best practices and it's. Uh, but it's but it's being if it's being forced from a litigious from a litigious point of view, because ultimately you could in tort or any other type of legal setting face huge fines or 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 really bad press this is true and it's being pushed by government you know what i'm i'm selling my computers i'm moving to the woods (laughs) yeah no i i i don't blame you right Oh, it's so i'm gonna actually this is this is probably a good thing i'm gonna start doing this toward the end of the show like just like the march toward state i like it like so the video game, yeah. So the video game, like that's called Player uh, Player Unknown's Battleground, um, is like outlawed in parts of India. Um, uh, so so play, so coming from the article here, like playing a video a game vi- seems wait, like a, a dubious vi- grounds for a arrest. video game is banned. 
yeah, like you can't play it. A video game. <laughs> so, yeah, it's so 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 here's the deal. So playing a video game may, may seem like a dubious grounds for arrest uh, to a uh, a player unknown uh, battlegrounds fan and free internet advocates, but less than a week later, other parts of the uh, what is it? I guess Gungrat, Gigrat, uh, including Ahmadabad, uh, the state's largest city, and uh, Vadodora. Oh God, ah, oh, these Indian <laughs> names. The Sur City have banned the game, citing similar reasons right they, they so basically there's national hysteria around the game uh at a moment when indians are struggling with the fallout from a rapid technological progress deadly you know I, oh, of course overseas like uh, whatsapp is used in a lot of places in india like the spread um rumors that cause like people to go out and form lunch bobs and kill people um <laughs> and so like and then there's there's rapid harassment you know harassment on social media which is nothing more than bullying moved to the 21st century and dangerous misinformation campaigns which is what's causing these you know deadly riots and lunch mobs um so you know the state has just said well you just can't play the game that'll Did stop you, you say arrests and arrests this is correct because it's outlawed because you know gary it's against the law. But oh my god! <laughs> when the state when the state when the state says you can't play the video game no more, you can't play the video oh, game no man. more, man. Boy, uh, uh, all right. Yeah. Next. Anyway, <laughs> next next story: How China uses high tech surveillance to subdue minorities, particularly using a lot of facial recognition technology. So here's the thing: I, I I love about our tech overlords. A lot of the technology that is being deployed to particularly sequester the Uyghur uh, Muslims of of, uh, of Western China in sorry, into concentration camps and re-education camps, um, they have no problem doing business with China, right? They have no problem doing business with China and particularly even companies that not not be directly connected to the Chinese government that are connected to the Chinese government. But when the CIA comes calling to, hey, could you guys design an artificial toe? No, no, you guys are evil. So, ah. Okay, then, you know, if be be consistent, man. Like, don't give your technology to China or get in bed with Chinese tech companies that are basically using the technology to suppress their people. Now, I understand, like, the Chinese tech companies don't have a lot of choice in the matter. Right. But uh, I don't know, man. It's just, like, it's just the state co-opting tech for its nefarious purposes. I mean, I actually, I actually read somewhere. I actually read once someone saying like socialism could have worked better if Stalin would have had the technological prowess of like a Facebook or or or, or Google or whatever. What? It's just like, what? And everybody who like, and everybody reacted to that story is like, no, it just would have made it, he uh, Stalin just would have got a higher score of racking up human bodies if he would have had the technology <laughs> oh of Facebook and Google and stuff uh. like that. It's amazing. There's, there's just this blind spot for it, and uh, one. Let's see a couple more here. Um, uh, behind Grinders' doomed hookup in China, a data misstep in a scramble to make up. Um, I guess Echo Wang and Carl uh, O'Donnell have more details on why U.S. government is trying to undo the acquisition of a gay hookup app by the Chinese by uh, by a Chinese company. This is more of the xenophobia, but then this this might actually be kind of something to worry about. Like, so two former national security officials said that the acquisition heightened U.S. fears about the potential of data misuse at a time of tense 
Chinese-U.S. relations, uh, the CFIUS, what the hell is, I don't, I, I don't know what that is, um, has, a, has increased its focus on the safety of personal data. In the last two years, it's blocked Chinese companies from buying money transfer company MoneyGram International. Really? Money? They did? Oh, wow. I didn't know that. And a mobile marketing app, uh, App Lovin', <laughs> um, based in West Hollywood, California. Oh <laughs> uh, Grindr is, 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 is it especially popular among gay men and, about, and has about 4.5 million daily users. This nebulous alphabet soup organization likely worried that Grindr's database may include compromising information about personnel who work in areas such as military and intelligence and that could end up in the hands of the Chinese government. Basically, they're basically people who haven't come out as military, uh, come out as gay, who are in the military or intelligence organizations could be blackmailed by the Chinese government. Uh. So um, and then the last one, I, I, I love this one because I've been reading about this one for years. Google's shadow workforce. Um, so apparently, nearly 50% of Google's employees are temp workers. They're not that employees. doesn't surprise me necessarily. I, I, I didn't know this. I thought this mainly just happened in general government contracting, but apparently a lot of Silicon Valley firms... Like hire a a s ton of just off the books client off the books it, yeah like programmers it, HR well it gets and, it gets really weird uh, California in particular came up with a bunch of rules a couple of years ago that were intended to protect contract workers and basically California came up with. A bunch of definitions of uh, technical workers where, you know, above a certain percentage of their time is spent doing software development or system administration or whatever. And then they and uh-huh. then they and the part that alarmed me, which the, was the part that impacted me directly and the employees that I have to handle was they said, OK, if they fall into one of these definitions that we have defined based on their observations within Silicon Valley, probably, and they don't make this much money of a salary, you must handle them as an hourly employee this way and track their information this way and do all this. So, Basically, I mean, Silicon Valley has a long history of exploiting uh, underpaid temp workers. I mean, this is this is really nothing new in my mind. Yeah, I've, I've heard about it for two or three years. I just didn't. I, and I and I heard about it 10 years ago when the fear of H-1B visas and like outsourcing to India was. A sure. And and and. It, I don't know. I mean, it always is a big scare, especially with Trump. I mean, he, that's his big thing, right? We're only going to bring in the best and the brightest. Yeah. yeah whatever. Yeah. yeah, man. I, I don't think, I think, I've always been a, I've always been one who's never been like a super xenophobic when it comes to like bringing in talent from overseas. I think the H1V visa system is just another status attempt to like limit the free movement of people in, their, in the, oh, it, the it exercise clearly of their labor. Is. It I clearly is. I mean, it's, yeah, it, I, 
I mean, it, and if it displaced workers here, I mean, I'm not to, not to be heartless and unconcerning for the workers who are here. I understand that they don't feel they feel marginalized. Yeah. But this is, I mean, this is globalization. This is the the dark side, but of globalization that's necessary to get us where we well, are. Well, and a lot of it, though, I mean, if you look at it from a supply and demand standpoint, right, or from a a labor supply standpoint. If there is a gigantic labor supply of developers or coders or whatever, okay, I'm going to hire a bunch of temps because throwing more bodies at this thing at... For a temporary period of time to solve a very specific problem is actually a lot more profitable and from a fiduciary standpoint, better. Right, right. and I don't, I don't fault any company for doing any of that practice. I mean, and ultimately... If I, as a software developer, accept, okay, these are the terms of my engagement with you. I'm going to be working for you for three months and and then we're done. Okay, well, then that's on me. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think I think where the problem is, like from the two articles I wrote, I, I, I read from Business Insider, from uh, I think New York Times. It was just, it, it's more of the culture mm associated with that um you know your gray badges versus your you know your real badges in this instance your red badges versus your regular badges sure. uh, of, of 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 google employees and, and how that um, that cultural kind of segregation makes it harder for these temp workers who are inter- who are oftentimes integrated into these google internal google teams have no access to internal google memos or forums or even access to data sets they need to even accomplish their job mm. And, um, it, you know, and that's that's funny because it almost it almost kind of removes a veneer of this elitism that that this that Silicon Valley sort of exudes, you know, when it comes to like, you know, the best we, we hire the best and the brightest at our company. For the love of God, man, if, if half your workers uh, are temp workers and if those have in a, in a great majority or at least a plural a plurality a plurality of those workers are treated like utter mm-hmm. garbage you're going to invite more rules which which i find it's almost seems to me that these rules were put into place companies reacted to this and so this issue i'm reading about these temp workers is just i don't know it's just a symptom of of the reaction that a you know a regulation basically put into place, and so the companies reacted accordingly. It doesn't help that we make our make it our expense our, our workers terribly expensive, right? Um, and 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 so you know if you hire a full time employee that's a full time Googler, I mean, you, you know it's good that's great, but it you know in in the valley I'm pretty sure it costs a, a quarter million dollars a half million dollars a year to hire a person and to employ that person yeah right and if it costs only a hundred and fifty thousand to two hundred thousand to hire a contract worker to do this temporary work that you need done in the the AI section the cloud section the map section or whatever so be it you ever heard the same thing about a, a year ago about Apple Apple does the same thing it's in, and I guess yeah I was unaware that the, it was a genuine generally accepted practice around the valley that like a vast majority or almost half of some of these companies workforces are temps yeah yeah I didn't no, know it's it. it's common i mean ten, even 10 years ago i was working for capital one and we did the same thing it was just throw more bodies at it and that's what they do you know and and they'll hire them on for two months well, and 
Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the way of the world. It's the way of the world. So, well, we're coming to the end because we've been going a little long, but I don't, I don't care. I had a lot to get off my chest. <laughs> Moving on, and any closing, any closing thoughts? Uh, I mean, there, you know, if we look at some of the stories at the bottom, I mean, that the the unhackability of a Corvette it was kind of an interesting thing, and then of course Microsoft's modern OS, which is going the way of Chrome OS, I find. Uh, I found that actually very, very interesting. And then, of course, there was a huge Google outage like last week um, for about two Mm. or three hours. Um, Yeah, no, no. Um, The conspiracy theory going around is that Zero Hedge, in particular, my favorite site for outlandish stuff, is did the government test the kill switch (laughs) last week (laughs) for the Internet? (laughs) That's hilarious. Oh, Zero Hedge. I love you, Zero Hedge. You're crazy. <laughs> the kill switch. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the kill switch this week. So, yeah, this week, I guess, is uh, E3. Um, last week was uh, was um, WWDC, uh, WWDC for uh, Apple. Uh, this week is E3. Uh, so, ho- hopefully, when we record again, man, we'll have some, like, we'll be able to geek out on some video game stuff. But no announcements so far, man. And, like, oh, yeah. And um, also, pour a little out for iTunes. Oh darn! Good riddance, good riddance. We we hardly knew you. All right. Uh, anything else? No, no. I'm just I'm I'm gonna sign off here shortly and uh, go enjoy some time with the family and hopefully get some sleep tonight. Yeah. Well, well. Have yourself a good night. Kiss. Drink it up. This has been. Thank you for your servers. I'm Nick Way, aka. Thaddeus Preston? <laughs> I guess I said that backwards. Uh, I'm, at, <laughs> I'm at Nick Way on Twitter, and uh, Gary, will, we'll have to work on it in the next couple of weeks you to get like some sort of Twitter handle so we can, we can pimp so this I show can together. So I at something, This yes. broadcast and others. <laughs> yeah, you can be at something, right? So this broadcast and others are brought to you by the Make Liberty Great Again Network of Podcasts. Thank you for your servers. We're logging off. Peace. Thank you.